We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. Empowering listeners from the US to the UK. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco. Good morning, Dan. Uh, I love the song. I, I love the, uh, the the theme song. I mean, come on, I'm in already. I'm going to do a little solo. <laughs> Fantastic! Well, I'm, I'm I'm all over the world, worldwide. I'm, I'm I feel I'm in the UK. I'm in the skies. I mean, this is this is exciting to to be able to have the voice instantly go out, thanks to Marconi here, and have uh, millions, maybe a billion or two. Uh, here it's Stephen. Good to talk to you. You too, my friend. It's it's a great honor. So bring us. Oh well. What's that? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you talk, and then uh, you know I'm a chronic interrupter, so I'll just be quiet for. No, a I love it. Please, this is your stage, so you've got the mic. Tell us what you were about to say. Uh, no, nothing. It's just just uh, good good to be with you here, and uh, you know I uh, I love radio, and it's so important today. Uh, with people at home and stuff, uh, it's just vital. It always has been. You know, we were on the air with House of Blues Radio for for many years, uh, all 25 years in syndicated radio, uh, and uh, it was wonderful to go out there and help all the blues artists. Unfortunately, it went to country talk or something. I don't know. They they changed it, but uh, but love radio indeed. You're made for radio, and I actually shared that with Billy Cavallo. I said, "Hey, if Dan wants to come on and be a co-host whenever he wants to, let's do it." Okay, anybody who knows Billy Cavallo, our uh, brand ambassador for the world's cleanest vodka, Crystal Head, uh, you know, there's a guy who's really having a hard time because this is a man who wants to hug, wants to squeeze, wants to love, can't get near his clients, can't get near the bar operators. It's just so frustrating for good businesses everywhere and good people who work in the businesses. Think of the artists on Broadway, and the dancers and musicians, the waiters, the waitresses, the chefs. Uh, it's really just burning me. And when I uh, order takeout now, uh, I mean, I'm super tipping. I was going to, I was going to, what do you want to say? Bounce off of that. I, um, I really don't have any words or, or, or know what to say about what people are going through right now. Cause I, I've had clients that had, lost their businesses. One had to sell his half a million dollar home and him and his son moved into an apartment. And then there's other people that are really, really thriving in the, you know, doing stock market and, you know, a bunch of other stuff and trying to get into real estate. So the, the entertainment industry, the food and wine industry has really taken a hit that no one has been ready for. Would you agree? No doubt, 20 million restaurants will close around the world, according to uh, several research and data studies. That's that's bad for for a lot of things. 
you know, uh, House of Blues is a company that I co-founded. We have thousands of employees now that are furloughed. Um, uh, one of the have you, you've been to a House of Blues, I assume. Honestly, not as of yet, but you've inspired me to go oh. to one. Well, uh, 13 clubs, um, New Orleans, Orlando, Myrtle Beach, Boston, uh, Cleveland, unbelievable one there, uh, Chicago, our flagship. Uh, then we uh, move across to uh, Houston, Dallas, Las Vegas, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles. Everyone, uh, an architectural masterpiece. We have the largest collection of uh, rural uh, folk art in the world, southern rural folk art. Our cuisine is purely and clearly uh, uh, Louisiana-based because we love that state. We love those people. We love New Orleans. It's it's kind of the touchstone. It's the spice rack of America, that city. And and we, uh, we, we're we devoted to that culture. We're devoted to African-American uh, music and art. And anyone who's been there knows what a beautiful experience it is just to walk into a house of blues. We have a couple of old Woolworth stores. We converted the flagship in Chicago there is like the Paris Opera House. And and all our bar chefs and bartenders and, and uh, back staff. And, oh, man, and they're just amazing. They love working there, those people. Just love it. And to think that, uh, you know, that's been taken away from them with a livelihood, is it's crushing. So um, uh, when we get cranked up again, I'm going to make sure you get down to one of the places. Uh, your, let's see, uh, your central, uh, your, your location, and I'll keep it to myself there. Uh, uh, Cleveland is very, very accessible from, from where you are. And wow, man, like they, they serve a great steak and the wine list and the foundation room and the music hall is wonderful. It's right in the beautiful Euclid district. Um, Cleveland's a wonderful, beautiful city with a spectacular architecture, great sports teams uh, right there on the river, and uh, a little bit of a history of uh, UAP sightings, you know, unexplained aerial platforms and lights in the sky and stuff over Lake Erie. So uh, I love Cleveland greatly. But the point of my saying this is once we get cranked up again, I want to get you to House of Blues and meet some of these amazing people. You'll you'll talk about it on your show for, for weeks to experience. Uh, anybody who's been out to a House of Blues can't forget it. If you're going to be there, I can, we can do a live broadcast if you got internet. <laughs> Seriously. Well, when we crank, sure enough, man, when we crank back up, uh, the Blues Brothers formal classic review featuring uh, the legacy Elwood and the blood uh, brother Zurashida, descendant of the kings of Albania and the uh, the Khans of Baluchistan, that's uh, Jimmy Belushi. Uh, we have a show that uh, I would say one of the top 20 R&B Blues rock and roll shows in the world, uh, and we'll be opening a couple of venues to get things cranked up, and uh, let's get a bus, and then we'll do a little rolling uh, kind of tour there. Two or three clubs uh, cover it and uh, and get get the tips flowing and get the revenues flowing, get these people back to work. Um, that's what we're planning, so I'm going to make sure I keep in touch with Billy on that to have you, have you come meet us somewhere anyway. Or you can contact me direct if you need to as well. Both of you can contact Again, me. Very good. Three in the morning, like two weeks from the high. Hi, man. <laughs> what, what's going? Yeah, no, I just thought of something, man. I just, thought, you know, no, I won't be like that. No, I'm not worried about it. You guys can call me anytime, any day. And as I'm here, uh, you've had Snoop Dogg there in Cleveland. You've uh, Circus Survive. You've got a lot going on there, House of Blues. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, sure. Every venue we've had leading, leading hip hop, rap, 
house. We were embracing of that culture and gave them a place to play when sometimes other people wouldn't. And, uh, you know, and House of Blues has always been like about that. Bring it, bring it. What, what you got Latin, you got salsa, you got a salsa night, you got a, you know, you got a, a, a gay night with a Korean DJ. Bring it, bring it. You know, come on. This is, this is what we're about. It's about, you know, unity and diversity. And, uh, and a company built on tolerance and love and acceptance. And uh, that's why it just breaks my heart that these people who convey that every day at House of Blues around the, 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 the America uh, don't have the opportunity to do that. And as I say, when you get to one of those places, just look, everybody in the place, the smiles, the attitude, it just pops. As I say, you'll, you'll be talking about it for a long time. It's a very, very moving experience, even if you're just, you know, going for lunch, going for the, uh, you know, the, uh, the tussle there. <clears throat> I can only imagine what the vibe would be like in New Orleans, uh, especially after I was just there. Uh, my friend and photographer, Brandon Willis, did a major photo shoot for me for the press that you um, and your team uh, have just, you know, been included in for this episode for this live airing. And I was, I'm surprised I didn't know about it when I was down there. However, Brandon did share with me that you were given the key to new Orleans. Well, I, I think me and a uh, hundred thousand other folks, they're very welcoming there. Uh, um, I, geez, I'm sorry. You didn't get to the house of blues. Now, uh, maybe we were, when was this? This was just a couple months ago, not too long ago. Okay. Well, well, you know, I think March, you know, was when they started to kind of tamp things down. Uh, but certainly everybody knows about us right there at uh, Decatur, right there on uh, Decatur Street. And, uh, uh, you know, you'll get down there uh, after the hurricane, uh, the original one. Uh, you know, they were up and running there. There was a tile come off the roof. And two weeks later, they were up. But you can't do this with this virus. And my my research is sort of pointing to in my reading there's a great uh, larry holmes wrote a book he wrote the looming tower about 9 11 uh the looming tower let's get the name right on that i think it's larry holmes he's written a book about this uh, the, uh about a pandemic just like this one except he wrote it he started researching it three years ago and put it out uh, you know months months before the pandemic that came out and was released just in time for the pandemic. It's like, but what synchronicity or what? And his research is, is, is just impeccable. It's, uh, you know, he's one, he's one of the best in, in, in the world and looming tower is a great book, but his, his sort of theory is that, uh, this is a virus, uh, that was extracted from basically a dinosaur that killed a dinosaur or a woolly mammoth in his book. It was taken, uh, by weaponizers, around the world, maybe, and probably the uh, biohazard warfare uh, unit at Fort Detrick, Maryland, that might have had it. And they developed it as a biohazard warfare weapon and then said, whoa, like, our soldiers have to be protected against this in case it blows back or there's an accident or, or someone else gets it on the enemy side. So let's work on a vaccine, right? So they synthesize it. They, they boost this thing up. I mean, they make it, <clears throat> excuse me, they, 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 they fortify it. <clears throat> they fortify it, come up with a vaccine, uh, try to come up with a vaccine, but they can't. So they share with people around the world, and Wuhan, China is one of those. They send a sample there of this boosted, fortified virus. The Chinese look at it and go, wow, this is impressive work from the Americans. Look at this thing. This is going to be hard to bust. 
we'll keep a little around for our own biohazard warfare, but let's work on a vaccine and a cure and an antidote right now. So they were working on that, but the, the lady who worked at Wuhan herself says that it might have gotten out from there. So that's kind of a theory that I'm kind of hearing, you know, outside of conspiracy mainstream, just, just from my research and people I'm talking to. You with me? I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so that's, you know, that whatever. The thing is just, it's dead. Viruses are dead. It's a dead zombie. That's talking about zombie movies. This is the zombie of all time. It's an alien zombie that doesn't want to stop until it's killed a billion of us, uh, unfortunately. Uh, some are minimizing it, and very credible doctors are minimizing it. But when that vaccine comes out, <clears throat> excuse me, when that vaccine comes out, I'm going to get it. And I don't care if there are little nano robots walking around my blood that have uh, chromium and can receive radio signals or whatever they're going to use, and that I can be directed to do certain things like um, go and uh, use cryptocurrency. I don't mind being, you know, as long as I don't get that virus, I, I don't mind being a robot controlled by a 5G transmitter uh, and uh, and being forced to walk like a robot to go and use a cryptocurrency instead of cash to make a lot of more powerful people rich. I, I don't mind as long as I'm not sick, right? <laughs> That's one of the theories out there is why you shouldn't get the vaccine, you know. Do you believe we are in a universal energetic war right now that's using and facilitating different things such as viruses or, you know, greed, um, you know, vanity. Do you think it's a lot more exacerbated now than it was when we were younger? No doubt, because of the advancement of technology, of the breadth and width of knowledge that people have, um, and, um, and things happen faster and there's more room for disaster as technology increases, more room for perfidy on the internet, which is the devil's gateway. Uh, it's the bathroom wall writ, writ large. It's, uh, so much harm has come from people who've misused it. Um, so there's always been since I think mankind's consciousness, uh, has been, uh, able to, uh, encompass it, uh, an evil force and a good force. There's been a battle. There's been a battle between black and and uh, black and white in terms of the, um, you know, the yin yang of it. If you look at a yin yang, black white. There's a balance. There's always, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that you know white energy uh, or black energy. Not, this is not a racial comment here. This is like you know, there's a black world of black dark dark energy and there's a white world of light light energy. You know, you could when you edit, you can put it that way. You know, understand? Absolutely. Yeah, you can cut, you know, edit any. I mean, what I what I mean there is not. I mean, the yin yang symbol, the black and white. That's what I mean. You know, believe me, I'm, I'm not. There's no racial thing here. This is like dark energy, black energy, white energy, light energy. We can use this. We can use what you're alluding to here: a, a consciousness, uh, a universal consciousness of of things happening that are not so good, but. We can use it in, in, in a very positive way. Uh, we can be aware uh, now uh, that, uh, that, that positive energy and positive reinforcement of our friends, our family, ourselves, self-love, spreading love, spreading positive energy, uh, trying to deal with issues, the mental illness that's coming out of all this, uh, trying to be kind and compassionate. You know, we have to counterbalance all this horror that's going on all, all around the world. We've got to counterbalance it. We have to work against it. 
and uh, and that's up to you and me to, to to do that because we have the consciousness there. We have to help to enlighten. We've got again to spread compassion, kindness, love, and uh, and 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 we need it more than ever. And we need it in, in a mass scale. We need we need the world to come to a a mass consciousness where where you know it's kind of one thought at some time that that makes us uh, turn the switch. You know, we're one race here. You know, to talk about racial divides, I know it's 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 a terrible terrible issue. Uh, you know, because of the uh, because of the way people can uh, can hate, uh, but um, you know we've got to, we we we've got to face the fact that we are all one species here. There's there's no difference. We are human. We're made of the same blood and DNA and RNA, and we are all one race. So we've got to get together as one race, one human consciousness, and at some moment and come to some revelation here. And I don't think it should come from more powerful beings with more powerful technology. We don't need them down here. We've got to figure this out ourselves. We've got to figure out climate. We've got to figure out, uh, we got to figure out um, our, our, our social economic system, disequity. We've got to figure out how everyone uh, has a little bipolar, is a little, you know, is a little crazy now because of the advancement of technology. We have to, we have to flood the world with meditation and 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 Reiki and 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 all of the positive therapies that are, that are out there. Understand? I, I'm just saying understand because of my uh, my my radio here, whether I'm coming in or not on the phone. You're coming in perfect. Okay. Yeah. And so you know, it, it it's uh, it's it's the etheric energy can be touched. It can be touched in a very positive way. It also can open up, you know, evil fissures. And there's just, look, since the beginning of mankind, since the first caveman hit the other, or Cain and Abel, <clears throat> we've had this species that is vindictive, vitriolic, venomous, uh, vengeful, um, and, um, and vituperative. Those are the Vs of humankind. And, uh, it, you know, we, we, we've got to fight that and uh, fight that and, and fight volatility and and try to become even and, and and calm. So you know, I guess I've learned this in my advanced age or something. I, I certainly was a little reckless in early years, but but you know, with people and with you know, just running things and you know, I was barking at people and 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 getting things uh, getting things done like a general has to do sometimes. And I I, uh, I I feel now there's a there's another way to 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 do it. I think that we have to spread as much positive energy as we can and. For every human being out there, look ahead, look, have that cone of energy, visualize what you want in your life. You want your daughter or son to succeed. You want your something for yourself that's, 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 that may be material and spiritual or both. You've got to conceive it in your mind and do it. You know, when I sat down to write a screenplay, there was nothing there but air. I had nothing, nothing. And then, a, you know, a blank piece of paper and a, and, you know, and a, and a, and a typewriter or a, or a computer. And then, and then I had to positivize and like kind of a cone of realization for all those images and, and dialogue. I'd, you know, if I can do it as just a, you know, like a, a, an average screenwriter, right? I mean, look, you know, you out there can do it in your lives. I'm processing is what you're sharing. If I may, Dan, I would like to backpedal a little bit to just share from my experience where you touched on everything very very much where you nailed at home is darkness to me is where 
birth, death, and rebirth can exist. Light, as well as you know, we all know what light and dark can do. I believe that we live very much as we always have in a world of smoke and mirrors. And people can use dark as a weapon, just like they, just like people use the Bible and the Constitution as a weapon. And light and positivity can be used as a weapon, or both can be used for good. It all depends on the interpretation and the and intention of that person or entity or being whatever someone defines themselves as. Um, I, I'm, what's that, Dan? Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, to be very transparent, um, not only are we in a world to where many people are fighting to sustain, um, I can't speak for your great country of Canada. I have many good friends out in Canada. You're one of them. I've been to Canada. Uh, it's, it's very different from here in the States. And one of the things that I find a bit discerning especially with watching on the news is we are in a place where people really ought to take the opportunity to consider what are your values and what do you really need in life? And I've come to learn that most human beings want to have a dog, be married, have kids, nice house, white picket fence. And that's, that's great. But, you know, I've been taking a break from the, the bullshit of the news here because I keep hearing Trump, Trump, Trump. It's like, what the fuck is a president going to do? I don't care if it's Biden, Obama. Who, what are they going to do about a virus? I don't need a, 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 a president for, uh, for uh, an influence. I don't give a shit whether he wears a mask or not. I'm looking for role models, okay? I don't need a president... I don't need a queen. I don't need a king to tell me what to do. I don't need someone to inspire me to wear a mask. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to use my instincts. I'm going to respect the people like you and the other people that God and the universe has brought around me. And I'm going to look at what, what are my role models doing? Do I want to use the power of my free will and consider that, okay, what is in my best interest? I'm not going to look to something or someone else first to say, Okay, when should I take a shit? When should I go get Starbucks coffee? When should I wear a mask? I'm going to do it when my gut tells me. I'm going to do it when my heart tells me, when my spirit tells me, when the angels tell me, when God tells me. So one of the biggest things and the misconception into any media outlet or anyone out there, get off the bullshit of the kick of, of, of bashing Trump by thinking he's a leader. Why are we living in a world to where people are using a constitution as a weapon? Uh, you know, LGBT shouldn't still be having to fight for their rights. Latinos, blacks, natives. You know, if people want to get over the bullshit, shut the fuck up about Trump and everything else and, and, and start treating everyone equal. Start having health care be equal. You know, start having things be equal. But no, everything's got to take a long time. Well, who put this in law in the first place? Get rid of it. And that's the biggest problem that I have. And, I, and I'm in a very, very, I'm being very conscious of your space, Dan, and your energy. And I am in a loving space when I say that. I can feel it in my chest when I say that. I'm not in anger. I'm, uh, there, there's nothing, if you want to put it from what you had shared before, dark in a, in a bad way of that. It's this positive light of, of breaking through of let's just stop. Stop with all the politics and policies. 
let every or I was watching on the news last night after not watching it for about four or five days, and they were referencing about equal health care for everyone. Oh, really? Then why are ethnic minorities being treated different than Caucasian minorities? Okay, why don't just give Medicaid to everyone then? Give Blue Cross Blue Shield to everyone then. Treat everyone equal. So I'm always hearing these contradictions. And once again, and Dan, take the mic. I, I really would like people, I don't give a shit if Kamala's president, if Biden's president, if Obama's, I don't give a fuck about these presidents because I don't care what they have to say. I look for what God has to say first. I look for what my well, heart and spirit has to say first before them. Stephen, not everybody is Stephen Coco. Okay. And uh, so go spread that message. Wow. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, with regards to uh, gay rights, uh, you know, and, and Medicare, we have that in Canada. Uh, we've got gay marriage up here, same gender preference marriage. In fact, I'm a judge. I was an immigration judge for two hours, and I can marry uh, any couple you want on my front lawn of my farmhouse. But uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I. That's why I love this country. Also, Medi Medicare. Uh, we have uh, health care here, all paid for federally and provincially. Uh, we're a progressive country now, Canada is not a wonderland by any means. We have uh, machine pistols coming across the border illegally. We have gang problems, drug problems, opioid deaths. So we have all the problems that America has, maybe just uh, less. Um, and so uh, we are a society linked. I mean, you can take a Minnesotan and a Canadian and uh, you know hold them side by side. They'd be dressed the same and almost talking the same. So people are the same everywhere. So that's on that issue. As far as uh, hate, let me address that. What if... One morning, the Ayatollahs got up and said, okay, by decree, I want a million people in this square, the Ayatollah, and we're going to stand there, and we're going to just think about loving Israel. We're going to stand there, and we're going to send love. I know, I know, all right, there are going to be free cakes and teas and coffee. I'll get taxis for you. We're going to go. We're going to try this. We're going to try this. And have them just, you know, direct a beam of love. The world would twist. It would turn. It would be God's hand would be in there. It would... It would, it would like, the Middle East would be a whole, you know, sort of a, a whole turning there, a whole melting, if uh, they could be convinced to do it. And I, I think Israelis would receive it and send it back. Uh, so that, and then what if the world uh, just said, all the haters of Trump went, okay, I'm going to sit down and uh, I'm going to love him today. I'm going I'm to send them love, I'm going to send them love, and then send them love and send them love. Hey, look, he might come out with a, with, with a sunny smile on his face and say, you know, I, I, you know, I severely condemn, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not supposed to do it. I've done things that I, you know, I'm not supposed to do all my life. And I'm saying right now, if the Supreme Court rules against gay rights, I will fight that, you know, or, or, or Roe versus, versus Wade, you know, I, think of the, think of the love that could come if there's mass love given out there. Now the presidency, okay. The presidency, <laughs> Whoever that president is, that president should go to that desk, sit down, research the levers of government, free up the coffers to those who are less fortunate and not working, sit there and never, never be seen, never be seen. Maybe one press conference a week, and, and it should be about serving the people, it should be about doing a homework, being an executive, sitting at that desk and working whosoever there, working their ass off so that there's a better life and uh, and indeed a robust defense and an intelligent diplomacy uh, that America can go to the world with and, uh, 
and 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 be and and have real influence that doesn't come from uh, you know from from what some other presidents uh, have done. Now the presidency, Stephen, is made for the average person to occupy. It's not for a genius. You know, Harry Truman was a failed haberdasher, a haberdasher uh, from Missouri. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Uh, you know, Jimmy Carter was a farmer, although I think he was one of the best presidents ever. Not all of them had uh, intelligence and uh, and instinct of, uh, you know, that, that kind of smarts. They had instincts. and But it's made for the average man or woman uh, to occupy. Now, Obama certainly wasn't the average man or woman. And there have been some exceptional uh, minds in there, I would say Clinton and uh I would say even just just Reagan and uh, um, you know I like George Bush Senior. He was kind of rational, although he did things that people might disagree with. But you know it's it's made for the you know he was an oil man and said and his son was an oil man and uh, and a sports team owner and uh, and, a, and a reformed alcoholic and he was the average man and that's what the presidency is. But that average man or woman when they get that office should sit down at the desk and get off the golf courses, get out of the the travel and sit there and work, learn how the powers of government are. It's the federal government of the United States has dedicated employees there that want to serve on a good cause and want to serve the people and don't want to be impeded. So you learn how to work those levers without impeding and get the money flowing, the resources flowing, the trucks, the tanks, all of it going uh, in a way uh, that is rational and, and being used for society at large and for the people that have uh, have elected you. That's that's what I think about the presidency. And as far as going out and just you know role models and following someone because uh, they are are famous or following them because they have a philosophy. Yeah, there are exceptions. Now Greta Thunberg, I, she's certainly inspiring. You know, uh, certainly inspiring. You got to go. Wow. That, that is one exciting, exciting uh, woman right there uh, who, who goes and, and gives us that message that we have to, to take this climate change uh, issue seriously. We got to do it at the at the classroom level and on up to executive level. So um, I'm 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 with you, man. You know, but not all of us are you know have 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 this heart. I don't think. If I may add, Dan, and thank you seriously for that. Um, cause I felt it, I didn't just hear it. I felt it. My, um, to those who are listening and, and I'm not here correcting myself. I just want to add into, um, and to bounce off of what you shared, Dan, I would hope that people would want more from themselves. So everyone, the 8 billion people in the world that we have can live so prosperously um, live in a, in a fear free, no longer need to be fearful to be who you are. So no one has to be average anymore. I hope that, you know, I wouldn't doubt if Biden wins and he does. I hope he gets in there and does something for, uh, you know, dissolving the fact, Dan, that discrimination is still legal in 36 states here, not just towards the LGBT, but even towards minorities. 36 states, if memory serves me correctly, and I can't be off the number because I looked up, and, and Pennsylvania is one of them, uh, it, where it's legal. Why? And that's why I'm saying if if we're going to be, if people are going to talk about the Constitution, 
and everyone is equal. Let's do away with the the clauses or the the backpedaling or whatever little details. Let everyone be free. Let everyone feel safe. Let every LGBT, African American, Native, Latino, you know, every person all across, you know, the world feel safe to be themselves, to feel safe when they travel. And and that's where that passion came from to where once again, all due respect, whoever is president, good for you. But I'm 46 years old. I'm going on what my 12th presidency, you know, uh, witnessing it, you know, um, I would like to see things finally change. And I haven't seen things change. I was born in 1974. And the things that my family complained about in the, the mid to late 70s are problems that we still have today. Why? And that's why I say that I don't look at a president until I see and witness a president for a role model to finally do away with the nonsense that I've been hearing about, that my family and friends and that people across the world have been affected since I can, you know, validate since the 70s. Well, it's time for the, the, the guard to change. It's time for diversity and power. And not the same old elitist, uh, you know, moneyed establishment uh, forces that uh, are the ones that encourage, you know, uh, sheriffs to stop uh, the African-American voter at the bridge. You know, sorry, it's closed. Sorry. What do you mean it's closed? I'm going to vote. No, no, the bridge is closed. The polls will be closed in half an hour. You're going to have to go by Highway 238. That'll take me two hours. Sorry. That is going to go on. That's going to happen. That's happening now. That's going to go on. That, you know, that old guard, they have to be disposed. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's time for a change there. So elect uh, your leaders from the communities that are uh, disparaged. Elect your lead. Get out there and work for the LGBTQ or trans or, you know, uh, um, uh, individual or, or the, you know, someone from the Hispanic community, from the inner city, African-American community, from, from the immigrant community, from the Muslim community, get them into power, get them into power. And you know what? They're not there to fight, uh, viciously fight the old agenda and the old guard. They're just here to say, Hey, calm down, step down. It's our turn. Now we're going to do better than you have. We're going to do more for people than you have. We're not going to do for ourselves like you have. And you know what? You're going to benefit because it's going to be a better world. Everybody that works for you in your big corporation is going to have a better attitude. They're going to be better treated. And uh, sorry that 25% of your corporate tax on top of the uh, established is going to go right to workers' funds and relief and uh, subsidies. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, that's just, you know. The, the Scandinavians have it kind of have it right uh, in that way. In terms of distribution of, of wealth and uh, and corporate uh, and corporate greed, they 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 don't like it. Oh, and it, I'm you know I've been in the industry for 28 years, and I can honestly say I grew up with the uh, not the program, but you know being told gay doesn't sell, and those that are LGBT are always placed on the back end and. Uh, as, as much as I, you know, demanded respect, you know, for me being me, I've always made reference and emphasized that it's about the quality. And it's like, like, why are we such an asset to the industry? But yet at the same time, 
made, you know, be kept behind closed doors. And it's just to where, you know, there's a lot of us out there, a lot. And it's not that we deserve anything. It's our right. And it's everyone's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, the, uh, St. Gembert preference power and LGBTQ power uh, in the entertainment industry is is really emerging. Uh, Dan Levy is is openly St. Gembert preference. He created Schitt's Creek with his dad and Catherine O'Hara and uh, a lady from Ottawa, Annie Powers, I think it is. Um, you know, and and you've got a, a phalanx of of creators and writers and Bowen Yang on uh, on SNL. And you know what? They're smart. They're funny. And I. I, I, I tell you this, really, I have never in my life, I've known a lot of, of gay men I, as good friends, man, you know, really, really like close family and close friends, I have, you know, I have cousins and, I have, and, and women and men. I've never met a gay loser in my life. Never. Never met a gay loser. They all have, they're just, they're all so contributive, the ones that, that I know. Uh, you know, from the human beings, you know, you can't gener- can't characterize, generalize, or spe- spe- be specific about. It. But but you know, if we're talking about you know, as a heterosexual and, and a, you know, old white man uh, from the old guard, I'm the one that should be overthrown. Uh, I, I and my experience with with gay men and women, uh, because I, I grew up in Ottawa, you see, and it was accepted in Ottawa, Canada. There was a, a whole community there that was accepted. It wasn't boasted about. But, but we, you know, we had gay neighbors and we had, you know, and my mom and dad had a social friends that were, you know, uh, same gender preference. So we, I grew up with that. It wasn't a big thing to me ever. And I've never met a gay man, uh, a woman in my life that, that it is a loser. You know, that's just my experience. And I met a, a lot of other people being losers, you know. <laughs> Um, and, uh, no, the power is there and it's exciting. Um, you know, we have a huge following, uh, one of the best followings in our constituency for our crystal head vodka, uh, in the gay constituency as LGBTQ, um, down there because of the, uh, you know, the fact that we're a Canadian made vodka. One thing, and we put out a pride, uh, a rainbow diversity bottle. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, did you try the fluid? Uh, Actually, I um, Billy Cavallo was very, very kind. Sent me a autograph bottle that you had signed. Yeah, I will not open it. And as I shared with Billy, until there is a legitimate, exceptional moment for me to do it, I will. So I actually went out and I purchased two bottles. Thank God we had someone local here um, that had well, vodka. Well, Brett Kavanaugh should come out as. With, with, and say I want to get I'm getting a divorce and I want to get married to my husband and I'm going to vote you know now I will celebrate it when that happens uh, but no we'll, we'll, we'll open the but we'll open the bottle before that um, uh, you know it's uh, it's exciting to go into that community I had a great time at Boys Town in Chicago have you ever been to that uh, bar district I have not I've been to Chicago oh, once and I, I honestly I can't remember what a party that is it's so much fun. There's a bar there. They have a uh, karaoke screens everywhere and, you know, Broadway tunes are playing and, and this whole community now has been shut down. The bars are closed. It's again, you know, the, the, these guys and gals and 
these people work hard for, for their lifestyle and, and, and to not be able to blow it off on a, on a Saturday night or a Friday night at the local tavern or, or this, or the dance hall, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. And, uh, when we get cranked up again, we're going to be doing an initiative with all our constituent bars with crystal head. Um, and we're, you know, uh, definitely going to re- revisit some of the places we had before the, the plague. Um, you know, uh, we are not a Russian vodka. No, I'm not slight. Russian vodkas are, 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 you know, very, very, you know, they're the staple of the industry. But I think that, uh, LGBTQ, uh, people sort of have embraced us because we're Canadian. The, the Russian stance on, on uh, gay people, uh, is, uh, is reprehensible, uh, instead of to the state, uh, stance on it come on now let's let's really wake up there what and in chechnya there's there's an, an open uh flying squad of vans that go around and, and pick up lgbtq gay trans people that are openly and even uh secretly so and they just they, they're not seen again but this is happening on our planet is absolutely disgraceful I, disgraceful huh no go ahead disgraceful disgraceful yeah you you, you are aware of that right the, the program in chechnya to eliminate the gay constituency. You, you know about that. I've heard many, many things across the world of what's happening to the LGBT mm-hmm. community. And if I may add, Dan, uh, someone, you know, you got to figure like back in the 70s and 80s, we were murdered. You know, LGBT were murdered. It's very different. Millennials and Gen Z, um, which I love this generation very, very much. I know other people have their hit and misses, but I understand them. I, you know, I'm Gen X, but I, I have a millennial mindset as well. Um, what I always share is there is a difference between, and, and someone, you know, years ago when I was in my teenage years, uh, verbally attacked me. It happened to be in church. And I always had said to anyone that were to be very, distasteful to someone such as myself or someone of LGBT, that there is a difference between someone that's gay and a predator. I said, someone that is a predator has no conscience. It doesn't matter if they're into men, they're into children. It doesn't matter what a predator only thinks and salivates over their disgusting taste in what they want to do as a predator to that person. Someone that is LGBT does not think of raping you. Uh, There's this misconception that, you know, LGBT men and women, that all we think about is sex. You know, we're all human beings, but there is a difference. If someone is putting their hands down your pants, that is a predator. They need, people have got to stop confusing the two because heterosexuals can be predators. Anyone can be a predator. But for some reason, people still associate, even to this day, once again, Dan, I'm 46, associate that, um, you know, LGBT are, um, are predators. And, yeah, there are predators out there, but they come in all different shapes, sizes, and, and groups and whatever may have you. But it, but don't let that be the defining definition of who we are because it is not who we are. I didn't grow up or was raised by my biological family or my family adopt me to put my hands down people's pants or to be sexually, you know, aggressive to someone in a way to where, um, it it became uncomfortable. You know, I knew my space, you know, I, 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 you know, pay attention, but once again, 
Dan, take the mic. I'm going to close with this is that pay attention to the signs and the behavior. Predator does not mean LGBT. We're, it's two separate identities. Stop confusing the two. Well, thank God. Thank God most of the world really uh, you know, accepts that now. But then again, uh, maybe a lot of it doesn't. No, absolutely. And I, how courageous is it to go through life in North American society at the time that you did and have to be honest about who you were to yourself and to, and to your family and and the struggles that uh, that it uh, must have it must have uh, brought on you. You know, uh, I, I just I just can't imagine. It's you know, may, may, you know, people may you want to crawl out of your skin or just disassociate. Um, so no, well, I'm uh, I'm in the army. I'm a comrade. I'm I'm right there with you. I've, I'm linked arm in arm, and that. Uh, in that initiative, come on, let's, let's just, just wake up. Yeah. I was 14 Absolutely. years old, Dan, and my friend Danielle and I were, we, I believe we skipped a class one day. I remember we went to the sodium machine. I was a huge Pepsi fanatic back then. And we were getting ready to go to, I believe it was art class. And we were going to cut through the, um, the cafeteria. As we cut through, and I can still remember it so vividly in my head, uh, this guy, he opened up, as I'm facing the two double doors, the uh, left side, and he came in and he stopped, and he looked at me, like, in shock. And back then, I looked very different, you know, I, I didn't have facial hair, you know, I was 14, and going through that transition, I still had, like, that uh, feminine look to me a bit, um, but I held my own, you know, I I, I did not cater to what anyone thought, not even my parents, not the church, no one. I always lived in what I believe was the truth. And that's the, despite the background that I came from, that's the number one thing, best thing I learned from my biological family is always be who you are. And um, that stuck with me for a long time, uh, even to this day. And he actually had a pocket knife on him. And he pulled it out from the right side of his back pocket. And he actually lunged towards me until Danielle then jumped in. And she said, if you're going to need a, if you're going to cut him, you're going to need to cut me. And he's like, that's fine with me, you fucking dyke. And then, you know, he then tried to attack her. And she said, Stephen, run. And I remember I ran from the, the right side. Um, but that's what it was like. You know, either I had people that came at me violently or those that were predators. I was almost kidnapped. I remember coming from Quick Check, which is, was a local grocery store. It was in Washington, New Jersey. And I was on my way home. Back then, I had a Sony Walkman black with my black headsets on. And all of a sudden, once again, Spirit God uh, said, look out, pay attention. Look out, pay, turn to the right, turn to the right. I kept hearing that and feeling that. And I turned. There was this old creepy guy like, you know, when someone's sneaking in the woods, like they're like ducked down, he was coming up from behind me from the right side. And I turned to look and I remember I pulled my, my Sony headset um, off and I stopped and looked and, and he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he's like, where are you going? I said, home. And he's like, where is that? And I was like, it's not around here. I'm going to a friend's house. Is it, things were starting to click, and I was, like, baffled. Like, how do I deal with this? And, I mean, I was, like, not even maybe nine years old at the time, maybe between nine, ten. And uh, I, then I stopped. I 
he stood then completely erect and I thought he was going to go back to his car. And then I turned and I, something said, don't put your headsets back on. I kept him around my neck, Dan. And then I started walking off and then all of a sudden I felt like this energy was coming at me again. And then here this, this guy starts now more aggressively coming towards me. And then I just pointed my finger and I screamed real loud and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I just screamed and I just, went, ah, and, um, he ended up running off, but those were the two things, you know, especially when you grow up as LGBT that people don't realize you either have, we have predators that try to attack us or people that believe that we need to be hated against that try to attack. And once again, I can't speak for other people's world, but I grew up with that all the way through high school to where, Dan, I almost was not going to go to college. I thought to myself, there's no freaking way in hell I'm going to go to college and deal with this. And it took me about three months to get comfortable to feel safe when I, when I went to university. Um, to settle in and, and just be able to focus on my studies. But yeah, I lived probably about three to three, no more than four months petrified of what, what are, now everyone's bigger grown, you know, is someone going to pull me in a bathroom and do something, you know, am I going to be safe walking out to my car? So that's what life was like growing up all the way to my college years. Well, I'm going to send you a Smith & Wesson military-grade stiletto. That's, the, that's what you should have. <laughs> no, no, you can't, do, you can't do that. Because as the head gunfighter at LAPD told me once, he said, well, Dan, if you carry a gun and there's another guy with a gun, you're going to be in a gunfight. So I'd rather not be in a gunfight. Um, and as far as discrimination, I, not on the scale that you did. Um, uh, I did experience discrimination as a kid because I was an English kid growing up in a mixed French-English environment on the Quebec-Ontario border. My mother was a full French-Canadian born in Ontario. My dad was a high Anglican-English wasp. And uh, it was kind of like a mixed marriage in the 50s because uh, French people were discriminated against, against and uh, they discriminated against English. There was kind of the, the kids in the neighborhood, the high school or uh, elementary school kids at the French school would hassle the English kids and vice versa. So I'd walk to school. Uh, I used to have to walk about, a, I guess it'd be about two miles, you know, winter, across the woods, under the power lines, down the hill, across the creek that my dad built because he was an engineer for the for the highways. And I had to cross this creek. I cursed him every time in the winter because I'd fall in sometimes and have to take my pants off in class and put them on the rad, you know, grade four, you don't want to do that. And I crossed the highway and up, and I get into this neighborhood there, and the French kids would swarm like bees. They'd wait for me, and uh, they'd throw my books around, and they'd attack me, and I'd have to run, you know. And uh, so there was discrimination on that level, and then I, I made friends with uh, a guy in school. Uh, his name was Robert Pennock. I'll never forget it. P-E-N-N-O-C-K, Robert Pennock. And he was bilingual, and he, he straightened them out for me. He walked home with me part way one day and he, he straightened them right out and said, you know, that, uh, this guy's mother's French and her name is Goujon and he made peace there. So I did have, uh, I did have that kind of a, an, ex an experience. Now this old guy who was, was creeping you out, was he doing it just because he was a creep or because he w he detected that you were, that you had a, a, a preference for your same gender? What? I believe he was planning matter. on kidnapping me. That's what I believe he was planning on doing. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. 
Well, you know, that's why uh, getting back to vaccines, uh, you know, if you want to put the vaccine in that it's got the little chromium robots for 5G transmission control, at least they'd know you where you were if you were kidnapped. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Honestly, I, 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 I keep it on my cell phone, Dan. Um, I have, uh, we've got my friends hook me up to family sharing and uh, to the Apple Music, and I, I let them all know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Um, you know, we uh, we're we we're, we're here. We're, we're I'm on this island. I've got a boat of supplies coming. I've got to go down to meet it. But have you seen our onyx head yet? The black skull with the with the, has Billy given you one of those yet? Not yet. Okay, this is something that's never been done. Crystal head's kind of interesting. It's it, it's it's an artist, an artist. Two artists founded it. John Alexander, a painter from Texas, uh, and myself, a writer from Canada. We formed this company because we wanted to make a vodka that did not have oils in it. And many lesser-priced vodkas have a few glyceride, um, and they added sugars and lemonine. They do it to mask the taste of the alcohol, to mask the flavor uh, of the alcohol. And if you have good, clean alcohol, uh, you know, made from corn like we do, you, you don't want those additives in there. We have zero additives in Crystal Head. We've won awards all over the world, 11 medals all over the world. And it's just delicious. We broke industry standards by doing the skull bottle, by not putting additives in there and coming out with uh, the notes, sweet vanilla, dry, crisp with a kick of heat off the finish without adding lemonine or sugar or glycerol. Uh, we have a, a pure spirit product that people love around, around the world. And so now we're again breaking the industry standard by going, let's make a vodka styled beverage from blue agave. The Blue Weber Agave is the uh, the source of tequila, and what we're doing is we're making a Blue Weber Agave vodka in a black skull, the onyx skull. Bar chefs around the world, those that are working, are loving it because it's it's the earthy uh, flavors of tequila with the vodka-style distillation and filtration, uh, giving it just a beautiful mix. It's kind of like a sweet absinthe. I, I was just blown away. And I've got to get Billy to get you a bottle, the onyx bottle that's going to be available pretty soon in stores. Please. And is the bottle named Joy or Johnny? Because I know you named the uh, Crystal Head Joy and Johnny. Joy and John. Joy. Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, hey, uh, Joy or Johnny, I will. It, you know, the owner should decide. The owner should decide. Let the purchaser decide. Is it a Joy or a Johnny? And either way, uh, you got to love them. You got to love them. We've got such. Yeah. I have this boat that has to come here and grab uh, and then leave some supplies. Um we should do this again soon. Thank you very much. And is there anything that you want to give a shout out to anything more that you would like to, to drop about crystal head? And just to let you know to everyone that's listening, I have tried many vodkas in my life. Crystal head vodka is the only vodka, no bullshit, Dan, the only vodka to where not only did I not have an aftertaste afterwards, my stomach did not get upset from this. I, I was like on my second vodka in cranberry and I was like, wow, normally I start getting the, like, like the tummy, no rumble, no side effects. It felt, it felt very light. I have not had this with any other alcohol. Not, not just vodka, any alcohol, where my stomach actually still felt light and not heavy when drinking it. Well, that's because a lot of uh, beverages put glycerol, glyceride. It's a cousin to antifreeze, to gasoline glycol. They put that in the, you know, that cooled the Spitfire engine in World War II. 
they put that in there to mask the, the, the scent of the alcohol. Most of these lesser vodkas, you open them up, it doesn't smell like anything, or it smells like Chanel number 15. Ours does smells like, you know, good, clean, ethyl alcohol. We make it with a corn from Ontario called Peaches and Cream Corn, and then our Aurora, the mirror bottle, we make it from Aurora wheat, from Sunset wheat from England. And the reason is that you didn't get much of a hangover after eight shots. You're going to get a hangover with alcohol, but... But, but but with no glycerol in, uh, for me, I can do six, eight shots, no hangover. There's no rumble in there because we didn't, there's no uh, synthesized oil going in there. You know, it's uh, and that, we have a natural viscosity with our with our vodka. So we're very proud of it. It's going to be very exciting to uh, to bust this new flavor out into the industry, this uh, vodka. We've never done it before. Uh, we're also working on a canned premix cocktail uh, with some uh, some really good organic fruit sourcing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's keeping me busy, but I must say, if you like music, uh, I've got an artist that I've been following intently for the last little while. She's on Spotify and Apple. Encourage your listeners to buy a couple of tunes or buy her records. Her name is Vera Sola, V-E-R-A-S-O-L-A. And, uh, she is a protest singer. She's been compared to Leonard Cohen. Uh, and she sings about what is needed today. She's got a beautiful song. You can get it on Spotify. Maybe you play it on the show. It's called Black Rhino Enterprises. And it's about the, the Black Rhino. And it's a moving, beautiful, haunting melody. And she's has some great crunchy rock and roll stuff, too. So Vera Sol is her name. If you want, let's get her on a show live. And we can play the, the live music here and do the drop. Um, Dan, any okay, close? Very good. Call. What's that, Dan? I'll have her. Yeah, I'll have her. Uh, her call you. Yeah. Um, do you have about thirty seconds? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm gonna stay on the line, Dan. Uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Dan Aykroyd, actor, founder, Crystal Head Vodka. Please trust me. I'm in PR. I don't BS when I say it is the best vodka. I will not touch another vodka. If I go somewhere and I order a vodka in Cranberry or maybe a Cosmo, if they don't have it, going to be disappointed. And that means I'm going to have to drop a recommendation. And when I drop recommendations, I am very serious about it. So please go out, Google, look up a local liquor store anywhere. Get yourself a bottle of Crystal Head Vodka. You will not be disappointed. Seriously. Dan, once again, please stay in the line. Share it with friends. Yeah, share it with friends. Get ahead and sit down with five friends and squeeze some tangerine juice in there. And, you know, take a tumbler with ice and uh, two ounces and squeeze a couple of oranges and tangerine in there. Just drink it fresh. A head doesn't last long. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, Dan, uh, since Beldar is your favorite character, you want to close out with something of Beldar? Stephen Croco. You will be spared when my species overtakes your miserable planet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5. Dan, we're going to be having you back a lot, and we'll be blasting out, dropping Crystal Head Vodka, everyone. I hope we have good things to talk about, Stephen, in the next few months. Oh, absolutely. Hold the line, Dan.
your socials and let's connect.